0: Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam for another installment of the 12 Days of Fisthmus, even though we're into January now. So we're sort of, you know, going past the, the deadline we had set for ourselves, but we're going to marshal on in the spirit of Fismas and and try to try to complete this. I don't know what number we're on. We're on like six, I think. I could be wrong. I think we're on the sixth. Today we're doing the Road Warrior. Before we get to that, I do want to give Joel a quick moment to just talk because the Twelve Days of Fistsmas are related to Joel's uh, RPGs, and so I wanted to give you, uh, you know, about a minute to just kind of, you know, yak on uh, the topic.
1: The Twelve Days of Fistmas, Uh what, what are we going to call this? Sponsored by Lone Wolf Fists. <laughs> no, I love that. Okay, so um, I'm actually going to pitch your game and my game today, because actually last night I I happened to be reading both Righteous Blood, Ruthless Blade and Lady 87, and trying in my mind to find a way to Venn diagram them both together for an outstanding Woosha campaign. Uh, So uh, high marks on both of those, by the way. Fantastic products. Um, Let me see. Uh, How about today we talk about um, Blood from God's Eye, our free intro adventure with Lone Wolf Fist. Um, uh, It has... Uh, flesh eating monsters uh abram's tanks um it, it has a, a dead god that you can fist fight um all for free a quick introduction to the game um a, enough rules to crash course your way through it very quickly and easily in the first couple of pages an entire adventure which can serve as the first plot arc for a campaign if you have a mind uh introductory characters that are that are rich and have art um yeah, it's a fantastic little game. doesn't cost you a bloody thing unless you want it to. You can leave me a tip, which I will use, of course, to buy more art and make the game as fisty as possible. Um, and also, uh, here in the next couple of months, uh, I've been doing the writing for, and we're going to kickstart, Acid and Steel. Uh, so if you want to add demons, damned heroes, robots, robotic heroes, and an entire universe of both of those things to your post-apocalypse, you'll now have the entire toy box of awesome explosive uh, things in front of you to enjoy that with, so keep your eyes open for acid and steel kickstarting soon.
0: Because and uh, uh, Joel funny. Joel used the term sponsored. We are not paying Joel any money for this, so I just want to be clear about that. I'm not uh, paying you, losers, <laughs> either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I meant that's what I meant to say. Um, there's no sponsorship, he's
2: not paying you, Brendan. yeah, what? there's no, there's no, shut sp- your mouth, no sponsorships in either direction
0: is the point. Um, so. No, no, this no, is that, an unsponsored podcast. We make zero dollars on this podcast, <laughs> uh, which explains all of the bells and whistles that we. we <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, so
2: every do- every dollar we make goes into our production values.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. which is no um, dollars. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, uh, we're doing The Road Warrior. The Road Warrior, or Mad Max 2, as people in Australia like to call it, is a 1981 Australian post apocalyptic dystopian action film directed by George Miller and starring Mel Gibson. In the post apocalyptic Australian wasteland, a cynical drifter agrees to help a small gasoline rich community escape a horde of bandits. That's the IMDb breakdown, that last sentence there. I don't know if you guys want to object to that overview or if you think that's accurate. That's about right. I mean, like, well,
1: it's a little, it's a bit, a bit, it's kind of high level. Like, you yeah. have to, <laughs> but,
0: but yeah, no, that's it. It's a movie about a guy,
1: right? Like, <laughs> There's a protagonist in this film. Whoa, blowing me away here with all this detail. What an um, analysis.
0: I did see Adam Bristle when I said, mad max 2 as the australians like to call it though i I detected a uh uh, no actually
2: i i mean obviously that's what well i mean everyone everyone in the world but americans calls it mad max 2 to clarify but (laughs) i I don't i don't have an objection to the road warrior title it's like it it was a smart move by the studio they knew americans hadn't seen the first mad max movie it was people wouldn't go if they thought it was a sequel and road warriors an excellent title so i uh No, the fact, the fact. If you want to want to want to make see me bristle, bring up the fact that it was released dubbed in the United States originally, dubbed with American accents. That is that that would make anyone bristle. And I think if anyone goes back and can find the original theatrical cut in America, you 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 will not be
0: happy. I'll bet the first version I saw was it when it went to video, was it like that too? Or was it just Yeah, like, in
2: the eighties. Anytime I'd see it on cable in America in the eighties, it would be the the uh the dubbed? The dubbed version. Because I saw it
0: uh, I like I have a distinction. Oh wait, memory. no, I it's know. the
2: first one. Sorry. I'm getting mixed up. It was the first <laughs> one that was dubbed. They didn't oh. dub the
0: Warrior. okay I'm, all right
2: i'm getting my my uh my movies were reviewing confused so that's all right that's a back, reasonable i take back all my criticisms it was a brilliant american release they did everything right i
0: right. i remember so, seeing this one on vhs in like 1985 or 86 during yeah. the summertime and uh yeah you know very distinct memories of it um oh as, yeah as yeah. we you know well let's let's what is everybody's thought on this movie like like is there anybody in the room that hates this movie number one or is there anybody that doesn't that has any gripes with there it or is are we get all...
2: out now yeah. no, it's a... <laughs> no one has brain
1: damage here brendan this movie is fantastic yeah i could dislike yeah. this film i'm sure uh, there it's... are people that dislike it there's gotta be
2: that, that you it's, know what it's, it's one of those
1: things where like that's that's where like that's that tells on them more than it tells on the movie right Jeez. yeah
2: I mean, this is almost universally critically acclaimed at the time, too, which uh, yeah, is, yeah, It's, it's kind of surprising. But
0: I mean, it's but then, what does that mean? Like 70 percent of critics liked it or something. Right. So there's got to be like 30. No, but my point,
2: my point being that it would have been easy for critics to write this off as, oh, it's a trashy action movie, blah, blah, blah. It. But it's like, it, it, I mean, critics really like this
0: movie. Isn't, isn't this even more well rated than the first one or am I mistaken?
2: Yeah, it is. I actually, I kind of read through some of the original reviews from the time. and A lot of them mm-hmm. were like, oh, this is so much better than the schlocky first
0: movie, you know, because
2: they did write that one off. As I, I said in the last
0: podcast, fun. I prefer the first one. I like them both, but the first one is more my kind of movie, and I still maintain that, having seen this again. The last time I saw this was on a on a tube TV in the mid-2000s, so oh, man. quite, quite a while I would, ago. Um, I, would
2: say, I would say the differences between the two are that it did the the clever thing that alien did where the second one is a different genre to an extent. Yes. it's like this the first one is a very gritty 70s re- revenge movie and this is this is this is this is mythic it's like mythic yeah. science fiction in a in the future right. and it's not really connected to our world in a lot of ways.
0: my my yeah. note was kind of similar. what I said was the first movie felt like an action drama and this movie feels like an action adventure. Um, but I kind of like your phrasing better of the first one, because the first one is a revenge movie that really captures the, the spirit of that film better. And this um, and
2: this is mythic in the standpoint that you're being told this story by an old man who remembers yeah. this
0: event from his childhood.
2: It's becoming it's a it's a legend he's telling. Well, well we and, can
0: start there because the framing is yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, the narration. Kinda, well, that's new, too. Right. We didn't have a narrative in the first
1: one. So like that immediately yeah. kind of does something very different.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, and yeah. and it's deceptive because you, there is an old man in the movie, and you think he's going to be the guy that's narrating it, or maybe maybe it's Mel Gibson. But I think it. I think that it speaks of him as another character. So probably, yeah. Okay. yeah. I would yeah. assume it was him. It could have, it could have been yeah. a
2: pop. Like, uh, was it it was
1: also doesn't preclude the the um, possibility of Mel Gibson's character dying if you if you frame it like that, which I yeah. think was smart because there's a lot of times yeah. where it looks like oh he's he's had it. Uh, especially when he leaves.
0: <laughs> and, well, there uh, is a way to kill the narrator. You can kill the narrator, but it's but because he's an old man, it wouldn't work in this case. But if you yeah, had I him know. narrating with his last breath after it happened, that could certainly explain I it. He's a ghost. Yeah. That was one of the many
1: instances in which I died. Right? <laughs> That'd be great. Okay. okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> That would have been fantastic, but also maybe not fantastic in a, in a way. It, that It would
0: have ruined the movie, I think. It would have ruined the movie. I, uh, I
1: think that's safe um, to say.
0: No, but I, would... I, the the whole setup of you don't know who the narrator is, I, I kind of, uh, even this time around, I kind of forgot that it's the kid, and I thought it was like the old man or something. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's the kid. Um, but I like how it ties in with the core themes of the movie because the kid is just like this grunting feral i think he's called the feral child in the credits yeah. right like he, yes and, he, and uh he, he just looks like not even human right he just there's just something yeah. off about him and uh and then so he, he ends like up the being, lost
1: boys from hook
0: yeah that's exactly this, this what he looks like yeah
2: but now this, this is one of the all-time great child performances in a movie i have to say it's well,
0: uh it's just assisted so good. by the boomerang the boomerang, <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, starring the feral child, co-starring the boomerang, yeah. Um, <laughs> boomerang has one of the best scenes in the movie too. So, but yeah. I mean
0: the whole the whole like 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 Joel, I guess this sort of t- ties into what you want to get into with the sequel topic too, because like you were saying, this is a direct sequel to the movie. This follows the character. Even cool. though, like Adam said, it's interesting because it follows it in terms of story into the next phase in his life. It does. But, but like Adam said, we're now getting into a different genre where he's in the realm of myth now. He's, you know, and 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 this is all about like the loss of humanity in the post-apocalypse. And like to the point that Mel Gibson is literally eating dog food. The kid yeah. is making dog-like sounds. There's just a lot of like animalistic, like the people in the, um, I forget the name of the group, but the bad guys in this they're all behaving like animals, right? Like there's one, like, you know, like they're literally, you know, having sex on the ground in one scene during like a chain. And it just, it doesn't, it's not portrayed in a glamorous, sensual way. They look like, you know, they, they look no, like no, beasts it's, it's on the ground.
1: Dirty and, and savage. And again, it's, it's a new world order. Um, and it's clearly kept in in check by violence and conquest and debauchery. Like, first of all, I love that, you know, that's, that's great. But, but second of all, like one of the interesting things about it, and the more I think about it, the, the more impressive I think this is, it has almost exactly the same plot beats as the first movie, and Mel Gibson's character has the same fate that, that Goose does in the first movie. His car crashes, and it explodes... And he's hauled away from it. But unlike his friend who who just became like this this burned out wreck, he gets kind of redeemed and taken care of by the society and, and has a, a moment of true redemption. So, like, it's really impressive as a sequel to the first one. When you really just look at these two movies as a first half and second half, like, it's, and it's an amazingly different experience than the way I came to it, which was I, I came to this movie second but coming from Thunderdome. I Thunderdome was first, okay. this was second, and then later I watched um I watched the first one, the, the Mad Max. And and I always sort of saw them as this one large mythical thing, kinda of like Star Wars. I came to Star Wars not mm-hmm. as first, second, third, but as Oh, this is Star Wars, and it was three movies, and that was the complete thing. But I think it it plays differently when you watch Star Wars as the first movie alone, and then watch Empire. Like it's it's a hugely yeah. different way to look at it. It's the yeah. same way with this. You get a very different experience if you think of this as the end, the last half of the story. Um, Mel Gibson has a beautifully complete arc in this and it it doesn't make Thunderdome seem any less fantastic. I don't want to diss that movie at all because, man, Thunderdome is great. But Thunderdome does this thing... Oh, it's great, right? It's fantastic. And it's kind of the thing that turned this into into the the, the sort of mythic trilogy it became. But, like, it does a thing where it takes this post-apocalypse thing and says, no, that's the new paradigm, period. And every film has been that. But, like, the first two didn't have that. They were a night and day alien aliens contrast and it's fascinating to watch them that way
0: i think there is i mean i like thunderdome too but i do think it's fair to say that these two are both much tighter movies and they they don't there's like not as much fad on them the pacing in both feels much better constructed um for me where thunderdome actually weakest
2: of the three but it's it's still it's just it's it's still good i feel like he gets overly criticized in my
1: yeah uh, no you you shouldn't it went, same thing with uh, Return of the Jedi, where that's the weakest of the first three Star Wars. I, games, I,
0: I don't think so. so. I think it's. Yeah. I think the first yeah. one is the weakest, actually, of the Star oh, Wars. Star really? Wars? Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. The first one is the Ooh. weakest Star Wars. Return we'll of the Jedi. That Return of the Jedi to me. And, and here's <laughs> the thing. I I would. I went back and forth between whether I liked Return of the Jedi or Empire better. And I also recall in clerks there was that whole thing where they were debating that. Very yeah, I remember question. that. That's and, like the kid X debate. So. No, but what I was getting at is I remember growing up, most people thought Return of the Jedi and Empire Strike. most people my age thought that those were the two good movies, and Star Wars was just the one that kind of got the ball rolling to them. Um, hmm, you know, so, uh, I mean, I know, I know that not everybody would agree with me, and now after the internet, everybody's – conform their opinion to the internet consensus yeah, well once again so, too huh.
2: uh, where I it's a crucial age difference thing again because I did see the first Star Wars movie yeah. in the theater and I do remember for years it being Star Wars was Star Wars and that was yep. it it was the one movie yeah. so uh, but I, I I don't know I think the first one is fantastic I think it's perfect but uh yeah but yeah' near close to it it's,
0: it's, yeah, it's
1: I'm not it's, saying yeah. it's a
0: bad movie I just much prefer the second two to the first um if i'm watching films yeah. um
1: the thing is and i think with both it, you could actually have that preference and i don't really think it's arguable i think you really could legitimately just say these two are the stronger yeah. they have a more cohesive narrative arc they feel like the first and second half of the story there's lots of good arguments to be made and you can make a lot of those same arguments uh for these films if you want to look at yep this as the beginning of the Mad Max legend and like the rest is like a prehistory to it. Then the last two films hold together thematically in a stronger way because they're both post-apocalypse. They both have this sort of mythical element to them. The character is established during both of these last two, you know, like you can do that. Uh, You can, you can also hold that same opinion here. Um, I think that's fascinating, and I, I, I think I, I'm, I, I think the consensus in this group is that the first two are the stronger, and the third one's the weakest when it comes to Mad Max. Uh, but I feel like you could argue it the other way too.
2: Yeah, well, the third one's interesting too because, as you say, this, you know, the first movie you've still got remnants of civilization, and this one everything's collapsed. And the third one is an interesting contrast because you have. Annie entity and her and barter town. It's like yeah. barter town is civilization is starting. Well, yeah. To it's the unification of
1: the two warring civilizations in this film, you know, yeah. the barbarism yeah. and the sort of humanity and structure and infrastructure linked together. Barter town is this new fusion. The, the true yep. new way forward is Bartertown. That's why Annie entity just drives away at the end. She's just like, yep. I already won. I won before I met you, bro. Bye. <laughs> what a, what yeah, a fascinating yeah. ending uh, and it, it is a really interesting film um, we're going to have to do that one too I, I don't we necessarily will. want to do all the
0: Mad Max movies in the 12 days of Christmas. No, I, can, I could do that one I, 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 like, I like Thunderdome so I could definitely no, right. like I said,
2: we, can, we, can, we can do it separately from 12 days
0: I, I also we'll just want to make about. one Parthian. Shot about Return of the Jedi before we sure. go on yeah. to the next topic, which is Please. I'm talking about the original Return of the Jedi, not yes. the ruined Oh I'm talking about the original where, movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that needs yeah. to be yeah. understood yeah. by our listeners. Yeah. yeah, because because yeah. people don't get that they completely changed the music and the Jabba the hot sequence, and that that ruins <laughs> that ruins <laughs> that the film. That ruins it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll make one more make my final Star Wars point too. I mean, I, my my the weaknesses Return of the Jedi for me is that it it. It cheats on things that's set up by not paying them off. Like *Empire Strikes Back* sets up the love triangle between Luke, Leia, and Han, and third one's like, oh, oh they're they're siblings. Um, there's no conflict, and Luke's like, oh, okay, fine, great, and Leia's like, yeah, fine. It's just, it's just it, that that's that's one of the things that it's like, okay, it just it just felt like the cheesiest, cheapest way to pay off one of the central conflicts I, set up in *Empire
0: Strikes Back*. I just want to say though, it did add a lot of discussion to the whole start like, That's like true. every, every, you can't watch it the first did. and second movie through the same eyes once that d- well, decision was made. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but I, I it's... do agree with you, actually. I think it was kind of a cheapo move. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it's just, uh,
2: you know, but uh, like I said, it's a great movie. I just, it's just, it's just a comparative level. It's right. like Return of the Jedi is fantastic. Uh,
0: but, but getting back to this, I think that the, uh, <laughs> the, th- the thing that the thing that I I love about the narrative thing is that the it, it, it's it the movie to me I think really is about the uh, uh, reclaiming of your humanity, and so just the fact that yeah. the narrator goes on to become this eloquent human character that can speak and yes. everything is yes. is uh, is kind of a nice framing for this sort of movie. It feels like it's a very well thought out film. The more you watch it, um, well and
1: again, that makes it a great sequel to the first one, which is about losing your humanity and, and becoming feral yeah. and going to the waste, yeah. you yeah. know? Oh man, damn it. That's really good. That's such a good
0: observation. I never even thought of that. Well, I like, uh-huh. I like how he is in this movie. I think uh, on, and this is just because it popped up in the trivia on prime when I was watching and I would have never noticed this. Uh, I did notice he didn't say a lot, but he only has like 16 lines of dialogue or something like some really minimal level of dialogue, which was intentional. Miller, wanted that um but that that makes him less human right he's like like people are people are trying to have these human interactions with them and he's just not engaging them do you know what i mean um, and so it's it's uh but it also works for an action movie because there is that sort of established trope of the silent masculine hero and so he sort of well this is them. this is
2: very much a western too it's like, like being yeah. mythic but it's like that the str- you could just remake this movie as a western by just changing yeah. a lot of details
0: i it's it's yeah it's a, s- a small town in the west overrun by by bandits that you know replace i guess it could be an oil well or something else you know like it, I, it would yeah, yeah it could be well,
1: a lot of things. I just maybe get a gold mine personally but because yeah. that's very western um, one
2: thing that one thing that struck me too is like the part where they're watching the camp, where he and uh, the gyrocopter pilot are watching, where they're up on that high point looking down. It's like. That that was very reminiscent of uh, in the two towers when they're looking at the gates of uh, mm. the gates of Moria. And there's also the scene where he gets rescued on the gyrocopter. I'm like, this is the same shot of the eagles rescuing, rescuing yep. Frodo and What's Sam. It, what, there it's was the another movie shot. that
0: was that was it um, there was a 70s movie that had that shot on the helicopter with the.
2: Oh, it could be. I, yeah, I, I could be wrong. The gate, thing too, the gate thing, too, also harkens back to Wizard of Oz when they're looking at the witch's castle, too. So, once again, I'm not saying it even comes from Road Warrior originally, but it's what I, liked, uh,
0: this... what I liked about that shot, though, is number one, it was beautiful yeah. because, like, it, yeah, like, like Mel Gibson has sort of made a career out of playing Christ like figures, right? Like, sort <laughs> of his thing. And so, it's he has this moment in the movie where it's, it's very much that kind of that kind of moment but the scene yeah. where he's on the helicopter and he's getting lifted up and you see you see the actual geography of the conflict underneath him and yes. I, I just i i found that very interesting this time where i was like oh you can see here's the encampment of the bandits here's the town like it is it was, it was ve- uh, and it was a really beautiful shot it was like very well framed and um that's another part of this movie that i really like is that the the it's it's beautifully photographed. Like it like the 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 framing and I would I wouldn't have yeah. noticed that at all growing up watching it on VHS. That wasn't and, no. and on my old tube TV. Part of you always that. You know, movies are such
1: a well, visual thing, you
2: know. One thing, one thing of course we saw it, we we saw it pan and scan originally though. So oh yeah,
0: we, yeah, I guess you did. I didn't
2: really see the shot. So
0: yeah. Yeah, everything's
2: uglier in pan and scan. It's
0: like it's like I used to think that all the Kung Fu movies were just like these really like I thought they just Mm -hmm. shot them choppy. They didn't care. And then you would see like a King Who movie later on and be like, oh, my God, this looks like Stanley Kubrick. And you had no idea that you were watching something that was like a masterpiece. and, and and with Road Warriors the same like until I you know actually saw it in widescreen I didn't realize how beautiful the film was I don't want to oversell that because mm. it's a gritty early eighties movie so it doesn't have the gloss that people might expect with the newer movie but it, well that's that's, really... that's between
1: production value and vision though this movie has vision that's what makes it so compelling mm. the, the yeah. production value though I mean the technology didn't exist back then in a lot yeah. of ways
0: so well, this was yeah, apparently it, the most expensive Australian movie up to that point whereas Mm -hmm. the first movie was really low budget I guess that's why he wanted to do this one was he didn't feel that he could realize his vision with the first movie I kind of think that it upped the game a bit because he had to work with whatever he could and I sometimes think that makes things more interesting but no but but you can tell that this is his movie like he, he made the movie he wanted to make um yeah
1: Okay, so I I have a a philosophical question, I suppose. If this movie is about the contrast between the savagery of the wastes and reclaiming your humanity, how then do we look at the Lord Humongous character who is an extremely eloquent and
0: intelligent and strategic Hmm. character? I I think, I mean, I don't know. I guess in a way he kind of represents like, I guess you could say he's like the barbarians, right? But then there's the fact that he's so eloquent and all that. Um, so maybe he's just an alternative. It, it might be that there are these two paths forward that humanity is choosing between in the movie. And one is the town that's obviously a little bit more civilized and they retain their more, you know, uh, compassionate human qualities. And Lord humongous is somebody he can, he can, he can, he has the veneer of civilization. He can speak eloquently, but he's this brutal, savage warlord who, will like rip you in half if you disobey him. And, 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 and none of his men flinch at death at all. Whereas the people in the town are, are much more clearly affected by it. With, I think the exception of Wes Wes is the only one that I remember really having a reaction when his, um when his boyfriend dies, but the mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? But the, but the other ones just don't even seem to care. Um, possible i missed it you know i mean it, it's been a while since i've seen the movie but yeah i don't know I, I think um i think what i think that's the thing that makes lord humongous interesting is that he's this grotesque figure who he actually sounds like a reasonable guy when you listen to it but you know that like okay that moment hmm. in the film where he's like i will let you go and you can live like just just give me the gas that's all i want and and you can you can keep your lives i don't think he was going to spare their lives i think he was going to well
2: yeah. the fact is it's not a good offer anyway it's like oh you can wander off into the desert to die i will give that to you <laughs> It's basically what he's offering
0: but him. no it's, true but don't you think that once they dispersed he would just have his men hunt them oh, down yeah to, to... yeah totally no question
2: well, even that, that, even even if he kept his word it's still yeah i'm going to let you go kill yourselves out in the wasteland yeah. bye
1: <laughs> yeah I, it, but, uh, it's not It isn't a great offer because he's offering them the choice between savage death or a slow and painful starvation, right? Yeah. Like, that's not—even—even—no matter how you look at this, it's a bad deal. Even if he's like, take as much gas as you want, leave me the pump, and leave, they'd get their civilization, and at some point in the future, it would have been overwhelmed by barbarians who had the resources that they had. You know, it's—on a long scale, on a short scale, even if he was a man of honor and kept his word— would the next humongous have done that? Probably not. You know, it's I think that the the eloquence of him in a lot of ways is genuine. I think he might have been a man of his word, but I think that the core of his philosophy, the the the, the fruit of it was that barbaric monstrosity, which is a society that was under him. Yeah. You know, that's that was the promise of it. So I don't even think it was the veneer of that. I think it was you can use humanity to create savagery. That's what created the whole apocalypse in the first place. You know, cool. it, it says at the beginning of the movie that leaders talked and talked and did nothing. And it's like, well, there was a lot of humanity, humility and technology. Look where it got us.
0: Well, I think another way to look at it, too, though, is that he he is con- the the people he has under them. They're they're all just barely under his control anyways like he has to really work to keep wes in line when wes wants to just go and get revenge right away and he's like no we have to do this Mm -hmm. my way and so yeah so i mean you you could you could argue that maybe he's a more complicated character maybe he is this civilized guy but he understands that he's containing all of these you know i mean what what is he bargaining
2: for he's bargaining for the fact that you know i i can come in here and fight you and use up resources and lose men or you can let me win and not lose anybody i mean it's a it's a it's a case where he's bargaining with them from the angle of I, you know, hey, make this easy on me. I'm giving you nothing, but, uh, you know, make me not oh, have yeah, to waste no. my resources storming the fort. <laughs>
0: well, and I think, I think, there's I think no, there's way, nothing,
2: he's giving up nothing here. He's just asking well, for them to make things easier for him.
0: Well, so it's a true. couple of things. Well, he's giving them their lives. That's the argument that he's making. I will let you keep it Well, well Yeah. That is the argument.
2: Well, well, once again, that's, the, I mean, as they're going to die in the wasteland, he's not even giving them that, though. He's, you know, it's, uh, well, but yeah. I don't know. It's a matter of it's 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 an intangible debate here anyway. We well, can't we, say. well I,
0: I guess, yeah, because without the gas, they probably can't make it to the wasteland. So you're probably right that they are. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to die. Yeah. Um, but 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 there is the question of how much of this is Lord humongous making these kinds of decisions versus him following whatever. You know, the 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 momentum. That he's trying to sort of direct with all of these people under his control you know what i mean so That's another good yeah point. yeah how yeah. much control
1: does lord humongous truly but, have he seems pretty inviolable but at the same time there's a lot of very look dangerous at, look at, people at what he has to do
0: he <laughs> he, yeah. this he's a gigantic muscular guy with a hockey mask and he's like his flesh is burned off or something i don't know what happened to his head but yeah uh, oh. you know he, he, I, I feel like he's sort of abiding by prison rules or something. Do you know what I mean? Where you know he's just he going to be the a, biggest, a strongest, the meanest. Um, also, apparently, that character originally they were going to have that be Goose from the first movie, um, but oh, they decided man, that against that. Perfect. Well, that would have been it, perfect, though. Ooh. It would. It would have been. It would have been. Well, it would have maybe been too much of a convenience.
2: So what's What's the source on that? I kind of looked for that story and I couldn't
0: find it anywhere I found yeah. it in a bunch of different places. I don't know if I actually found it. so maybe we'll we'll call it speculation for now because I saw it in Wikipedia if I remember but yeah so I also saw it in other sources but I suspect they were also getting it from Wikipedia I, I've these yeah,
2: I, I, also, I also I also found unsighted speculation that uh, the, you know, uh, uh, Papagallo, the, uh, kind of the guy in this, that basically he and Papagallo were part of the same military unit at some point too. Oh, so I it's think like that I... was
0: based on something George Miller had said. Uh, okay. So, so I think okay. he was asked in the eighties in an interview and he said that they, that th- something about them being connected, but apparently there was a fan theory that Lord Humongous was goose. And I think that later it was found out that it, originally when they did the script, there was this idea of doing that, but that it was abandoned. It was never actually part of the story, but it was a thought. Um, but again, yeah, well I don't know It, go with
1: the it, it is certainly better for, for reasons of verisimilitude that that's not the case, right? It's better if this guy just came out of wherever he came out of, you know, without any connection yeah. to the films, characters, or events. Dramatically, it's not quite as rich. If this was Goose, it would have been fantastic. If he just turned into this feral mutant, muscle bound oh. monster that retained some element of the charm of the original Goose, but had become nihilistic, oh it, man!
0: It could have worked if him. The thing is, it it would have been hard because Mel Gibson hardly talks in this movie. But you would have had to have a dramatic scene between him and Mel Gibson to make that's, that. You know, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah even that's if good. it was
2: an idea they worked on, it's not carried out in the movie. So yeah. it's no, like no, he, it, it, it's it, there's there's really no way to. Uh, Yeah, because once again, I mean, he, Goose, Goose was in positions where he would have recognized Max anyway, so there would have been some reaction, so it's, it's a, a thing that is not actually in the movie, but might have been.
0: Because you could easily envision a sort of join me, you know, join, you know, you know, like that, that that would have been a very easy scene to write.
2: um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could have gone that way, but that's uh, yeah, just uh, so
1: you... different. You and I, yeah, no, there's no scene like that in the movie, which I think is a strength of the movie. That that it, the we're not so different. You and I is a bit of a trope, right? And mm-hmm. I don't think that leaning into tropes necessarily makes them more dramatically satisfying. I don't. I
0: don't think so, they would have yeah. gone that direction. I don't think they would have said you're more different or you're not. Uh, you're not so different. You and I. I think it would have been yeah. more. You're responsible for what I became, so you owe me. You know what I mean? Like.
1: There's also ways you're going to take yeah, it, but yeah. I, even still, I, I think that those are pretty well-worn tropes, even at the point that this movie was made, they were pretty well-worn tropes. So, so making making Lord Humongous completely distinct lets his philosophy and his character stand on their own within within the context of the situation, and it doesn't yeah. burden it with that kind of messy, emotional connection which i think yeah. would have overshadowed it you know
2: And he's yeah. not. Well, going going on with that trope of course this came out the same year of raiders of the lost ark which does the <laughs> d- actually does do the oh you're not so different than <laughs> me it literally has those lines that
0: line in it but uh yeah. you know what, what movie started that do we know where that that originated from what uh uh what movie?
1: almost certain that's originated in shakespeare dude like that's very
2: old <laughs>
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's always a good chance good
2: good question good question i uh you
0: guys talk i'll look but (laughs) but but anyways i lord humongous is too much of his own character goose doesn't look like that goose would have had to gain so much height and weight just to look like lord humongous Um, yeah
1: you would have had it would have been a very different character i I do think that that it would have been interesting um but no I, i sort of like it the way it is better now that i'm kind of rolling it over in my mind it's like well i understand why you would do it on the other hand, I think doing it this way simply gives you something more unique. Uh, I don't think we would have remembered it quite the same way. We would have just only thought of him as Goose, um, and here we we think of him as Lord Humongous. You know, um, yeah. No, I think this mm-hmm. is. I, I, ultimately, I, I think this is stronger.
0: What do you think it's, of the uh, the way that the Crier introduces him, <laughs> the Ayatollah of Rocket? <laughs>
1: Well, there's so many things that just make you pause and and contemplate them in this film. That's that's certainly one of them. There, where it's like, okay, that scene and the scene in Thunderdome where uh, they have kind of a similar thing, where right before the Thunderdome battle starts, they have the guy with the weird, super large shoulder pads, like talking about how the world of old was destroyed. Both of these like show you that the culture that was has fallen into myth in a lot of ways. And and we're, we're picking up random pieces of it and, and making this new culture out of it. There's, they're serving the needs of these new people in this new world order. So I think that's really fascinating. Like no one in this world that we'd have, it would be called the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Like certainly not someone that you wanted to be intimidating, but they're, they're taking like the, the chunks of those those elements that that like that mean something still to people and, and combining them in this new and, and unsettling way i i really love that line i, I think it, it beyond any other line in this film i think that's the one that really sticks with me it really shows something about the world that george miller yeah. made
0: Well, it also kind of almost feels like the guy is just sort of ad-libbing what he's saying yeah and it doesn't he, feel rehearsed like, because if you stop and think about your wait ayatollah of rock and roll like what like what exactly does that mean in the, in the context <laughs> of the setting that doesn't mean anything that that's that's what? just a that's Isn't just that a meaningless though, sort of it no mean. it works it works but what i'm saying is it doesn't have any literal meaning that you can yep. decipher you know i don't i don't think lord humongous plays guitar or does anything that would warrant being labeled the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Um, they have other issues pressing it, it, but it also kind of like, you know, it it, 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 I like that. I like the fact that this guy is just kind of, I don't know, he's, he's just winging it, it seems. Um, and, and, uh, and he, and I think what he's trying to do is just sort of intimidate them, just sort of, you know, really build up Lord humongous. So they understand, you know, that this is what you're contending with. This this great, great man that is going to, you know. The just... fact he has a hype man says so much about yeah. him. Like it tells
1: it communicates yeah. to you on this almost genetic level how yeah. this guy keeps control of his posse of wild and savage barbarians.
0: Yeah, I mean, imagine if you got into an altercation with somebody at the mall and they had a hype man and and the, and the hype man starts just spelling out what your doom is going to be in the next year. It, it's, it's, a, sure. uh, it, it would be, it would, it, it would be in- intimidating. I think it's it like, is. Think, it's, yeah. it's very intimidating. It's like, so, uh yeah I, but i i i also just like the look of the guy he's got like the glasses and and he's not very good at making decisions he tries to catch the boomerang the, the that he just saw <laughs> cut somebody in the head with and slices I his it. fingers I, off. I,
2: I love i love i love everyone laughing at him and him him reluctantly joining it's like that character oh, that's the other thing that character oh and he, i think he's called toady in uh yeah. in the credits it's just he is such a pathetic groveling little character it's uh we, and, oh, it's so good
0: And that shows how cheap life is too in this setting like uh his, he lost some yeah. fingers and nobody gives a <laughs> shit it's like you know he he just, barely yeah. cares that he lost fingers you know
2: <laughs> yeah yeah oh man yeah, his, uh, his survival yeah.
1: mechanism is absolute submission and you know he does survive for quite a bit of the movie so
0: that does work So I guess we really have to talk about the 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 action sequences in this. And we should probably start with the final sequence, which is probably the most iconic. um, Yeah. It's so iconic
1: they they made it into its own entire movie in Fury Road.
0: I was thinking about that. I think that's I think that's the fundamental thing that turned me off to the idea of Fury Road, because what I heard people say about it was that it's all that sequence. Very, very much so. That's, that's and, that dominates your. But what I like about this movie is that it isn't all that sequence. There's a lot of yeah, other things happening, it, and then that just, sequence emerges as the climax, which I like. But I wouldn't yeah. want to be overwhelmed with just an ongoing. That, that was kind of my problem with Thunderdome. The final sequence went on too long, I thought, and it didn't have any of the creativity of this sequence. I thought, like it was, it was fine, but this scene is so creative, and they have very just dis- like they're are clearly thought out moments over the course of the of the chase scene where um it's like a little mini story that plays out um
2: yeah it's but. interesting because i remember i would always hear back in the day like the road warrior is just one long chase scene like i was often said in a positive way not a negative way yeah. but it's like it's not you know whether you here's a positive or negative thing there's it's not one long chase scene but no, uh no yeah i uh yeah it's interesting too guys I mean, just bringing up the truck scene It is once again i already mentioned like reuters of the lost art came out the same year it's, it's funny that like the two movies with the most iconic truck chase scenes came out <laughs> the same year maybe so, like, truck me, because, uh,
0: filming technology it just reached an apex that, <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that must be it, it i mean must be it. It, it was really great this scene like really stands out to me because the um the amount of vehicles that are involved and the amount of wide shots where you see all the vehicles. And again, the fact that this is a, this is a movie, I mean, obviously there are stunt men and I'm sure in the scenes where there are men jumping from one car to the other, or whatever, they're probably slowing down and doing all kinds of things to, for safety reasons, but it just feels real. It has a very sort of grounded real feel to it. Um, and it's super exciting. Like it's just like, just crazy stuff is happening. Throughout uh, the, throughout the, despite it being so bombastic, like you
1: talk about the scale and all the motion and the, the explosions and everything, but like despite that, this it knows to draw your attention in on the characters, the stakes, and the tension. Who's yeah. going to die? Is this wound fatal? Are they going to be able to make some kind of miraculous last stand? Like. There's so much about it that draws the that draws the tension out. Yeah. Like, just Max getting more wounded and the cab getting more and more breached yeah. as things get worse and worse in this chase sequence. It's just so tense and wonderful.
0: And the brutality of it. Like, the scene where that guy gets the hook stuck through his leg, when oh, the, the grappling yeah. hook it's, it's, yeah, and it's he's dragging
2: painful. he's dragging an entire car like when yeah. it flips over it's like having that going through your leg it's yeah. just like
0: oh my god it's oh. yeah, that, that had to oh. hurt that had to hurt oh, yeah. <laughs> just a little yeah and then when you find out that the truck doesn't even have gas in it at the end
2: <laughs> oh it's, I, the ending it, of this is so good yeah, uh, it really is
0: yeah, yeah and, and is. you're thinking like wait that's that is that cheap movie gas? Are they like using grains of sand because they want the camera to pick it up? What's going on? And then you're like, oh no, it's 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 sand. It's filled. No, with they sand. really
1: filled that thing with sand, and yeah send them on a wild goose chase that killed enough of them that their infrastructure was collapsed. Yeah, it's well, like, it's, it's also, interesting
2: too because it's like you could you could view it as being uh, them just using Max as a chump to like be a decoy, but the fact is. A lot of you know the guy who hires him, whose name I'm blanking on, he, Papagallo, he's there. Papagallo. T- What's that?
0: Papagallo, yeah.
2: No, not pa- is that? Oh, yeah, Papagallo, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. It's uh, it's 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 like he's there, he goes along with the truck. It's like it's not like he hires him and then gets on the bus. It's like he and a lot of the key figures do go along on the decoy and He dies, so
0: Papagallo died, yeah. I was saying,
2: he's it's but, like he uh. It's, so it's it's it is it is interesting ambiguity that they did kind of use him, but they they still put themselves on the line too. it's it's kind of fascinating well,
0: and well, I they, think they didn't they didn't tell him either, right? Like he looked kind of shocked no. when he saw the, yeah, you it, know what's it, cool too. Papagallo actually uh, telegraphs what's going on because he says to the boy, "Get on, we won already. Let's go, right? So like and you're yep. thinking like, wait, you won. This does not look like victory to me. And so yeah. it, it, you know it. It, it, they, they do foreshadow the reality, the truth. I think you might even see I think there might be shots while it's driving of the um, of the sand coming through. But it's probably hmm. not quite as clear what's what's tumbling out of the truck. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I thought that was interesting that he, he showed up. I think him and like all of the warrior capable people or most of them were kind of present on the on the truck is what it looked like. Um, yeah. I like, too,
2: at the end, the way just the remaining members of the gang, when they see Sand coming out of the truck, it's like, they're, they're just gone. It's like, they, you know, yeah. they could have gone over and tried to kill Max or something. It's like, no, nah, okay, we're, we're done here.
1: Bye. Yeah. <laughs> well, at that yeah. point, like, all their greatest warriors were dead, too, right? Because yeah. Humongous explodes, and then his second-in-command dies. So, yeah, I think, I think for the most part, they they weren't really people with a plan. They were short-sighted hedonist and, and barbarians. So, yeah. They didn't know where the gas was. They assumed it was all gone. You know yep. why would why would they assume something different? You know the 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 refinery exploded. This was a decoy. So at this point, it was just a, a ploy to get them out of there and deny them the gas. Yeah. But they took a bunch of the gas with them. They didn't have the kind of foresight or tactical thought process to think about that. So they fucked off back to the waste where they likely died. Yeah. That's great.
0: Uh, i also like that the place they're going to is like on a postcard and they're sort of anticipating this <laughs> paradise and you really wonder what it's going to be like when they get there because it looks an awful yeah. lot like where mel gibson came from you know what i mean like i don't know where it was but I, I have a feeling it's probably in the same condition of you know where he just came out of um well don't
1: they but, to show an overview of the ruined city at the end like yeah it wasn't great when we got there but with the gas we were able to make our own culture
0: but uh, I also I like that the gyro captain becomes the leader of of the of the people as well. Uh,
1: well, I I like that because again they sort of telegraph it in the movie. He he has the sort of strategic, thoughtful, consequential mind that's also inventive that allows him to be a leader of this kind of people. Like he's, he's blow for blow outwitting Mel Gibson at the start of the movie, which is really impressive. Uh, Fassbender might have a weapon under there, so you got to do this.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's you know,
1: true. He's the one who's flying over the whole conflict, so in a in a vehicle he invented. Like that guy's leadership.
2: Well, he becomes material. their leader. He becomes their leader too. They yeah. mention at the end. So, mm-hmm.
1: oh yeah, he's leadership material. I vote for him in a
0: heartbeat. <laughs> I, I like his relationship with Mel Gibson in this too. It's a very um, you know, it's a yeah. kind of lopsided relationship, but that sort of works because he's sort of winning the audience over over the course of the movie, anyways. Like, you know, you kind of, yeah. you kind of by the end, he's sort of more heroic, and the start you know, you're not really sure what to think of him. And then he's sort of sneaking away with the woman. And so it's like, okay, he's like, you know, but then he... Well, you know. that, that, and
2: that, that's the fascinating thing. It's like Max goes off on his own at the end, but he brings both the gyrocopter pilot and the feral kid. He kind of, he's, he's the the thing that pushes them into becoming part of the yeah. community again and becoming human again to an extent.
1: It's, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting interaction. Well, he alone in the movie has the capacity to appeal to someone like max's humanity and bring them back into the fold of civilization no one else manages that he's the only yeah. one so yeah. that gives him a certain power to re-civilize people that have been like destroyed by the world being like it is um so yeah i, I think that he's the guy uh, he's the guy i would i would want to be in charge of the post-apocalypse
0: yeah, I, uh, um, yeah I, I definitely, I mean, you, you want a person that's smart like that guy. Um, mm-hmm. you de- a guy who can make a helicopter seems like he'd be very, very useful. Yeah, he's, he's creative, inventive,
1: cunning, but also able to bring people back to their humanity.
0: Like, that's pretty impressive. What do you think that guy's backstory was? Um, the, <laughs> do you think he was a professor? Do you think he was an engineer? Do you think he was just some loser who just knew yeah, a he, lot of shit? and he, was He building strikes things? me
1: as the kind of person that's like and i know these people because i grew up in the sticks one of those kind of backwoods hicks that can make any machine work and -hmm. they have this certain kind of mind where no matter how much something is garbage they see what it could be and i Mm -hmm. think that's the guy that could fix the post-apocalypse
0: okay He was a very uh, interesting
1: guy surprisingly eloquent take wow what the hell's wrong with me today (laughs) <laughs> I, I agree joel that's
2: that's the answer I, I agree with that completely that just fits
0: i guess we didn't mention the dog that does bear some discussion because a lot of people like get upset when the dog gets you know gets uh done in by the yeah uh, uh but that that that's see, I, I also feel like there's some, there's a weird relationship max has with the dog and i, I couldn't help before i used to sort of think is the dog is the thing that humanizes mel gibson but I noticed this time around that he actually regains his humanity when the dog dies. Do you know Hmm. what I mean? Like, so I wonder if the dog is like, you know, sort of the him latching onto the dog is because he is more at ease with animals than people. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, I don't think you can
1: argue it otherwise. Like, it's a substitute for a human connection, is that animal connection? Mm. But I love the dog too, but like, you have to admit that the dog and him are like, they have a lot in common at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. You know? yeah They're yeah. animals who can survive and, and take solace in each other's company. But whenever he loses the dog, he the replacement he finds is not only humankind, but like the dream of the future, yeah. you know? The dog's so,
0: almost a barrier between him and people like the, He's it's the thing a, that prevents him and the gyro captain from really connecting early on. Yeah. He's it's, using it's the it illusion fixed.
1: of self-reliance, yeah. you know, um, the car too. L- like the car was something that was like a prize that he won. That was an mm. instrument of vengeance for him. It's destruction in a lot of ways is the death of that part of him. He no longer can live for, for vengeance or for that pain. Like it, it, he can't do it anymore. Like, there has to be something else that drives them. Yeah, There's I mean, quite a lot of beauty in this as a as a sequel to the first movie. It really is a fantastic film.
0: Yeah, I know it's a very good movie. I mean, it definitely is. I, I again I, I I know I, I mentioned that I like the first one more, and simply because I it's just more my style of film. Um and I, I you know but but this one I think is still a really good movie. Um Yeah,
2: I I, I kind of consider them equals as far as uh I mean, the big difference is I find I brought this up when we reviewed Mad Max, the original, that that it's uh, it's it's frightening in a way that this movie is. And it's like I get a sense of fear and suspense from the first one just because it is closer to our reality and there's still normal people around. It's like, uh, yeah, Yeah, there's something truly frightening out of nowhere. But yeah, uh, this, this, this movie doesn't frighten me, but it's it's a fantastic
0: action movie. Well, Joel said before the podcast that this movie commits to it being an apocalypse, whereas in the first one, not every character is aware that they're in an apocalypse yet. They're, they're, you know, yeah. some people know, the bikers know, but like a lot bikers of the people know. that they prey on do not know and are still living yeah. normal lives. Um, so I, I think that is an. I think I think that ambiguity is the thing that works about the first movie for me. Whereas I mean, yeah. this works, too. It's just that it's it, it oh, puts yeah. it more firmly in action adventure territory for me. Um, yeah
2: and, and once again i think it's good going back to the alien aliens comparison it's like if yeah. they tried to go with the same tone as mad max again but with a bigger budget it's like that nah that it's that, like that you already be... you already did that perfectly yeah it's yeah. it would be it would be dumb it would be it would be like if alien the set it's like it's a sequel alien it's just it's another crew and they have encountered what countered a, an yeah. alien and it's on their ship you know it's like yeah okay great i think great, i think a big budget sequel. too
0: would have detracted from the focus on the characters. Yes. That the first one had. Yes. So you, it would have been a mistake, I think. Because you would have said this...
2: Making this a mythic epic story was yeah. with the money was the right way to go.
0: Um, so yeah, so I guess that's the, the end of the discussion. We've been going for almost 50 minutes now. Um, oh goodness, yeah. I think that's our... enough for now. <laughs> what what was our next movie? I know yeah. we were gonna do, were we gonna do Game of Death next? Was that- Oh our... yeah. Okay. Oh that's yeah, right. that's right. So game we'll of do Death. game of
1: De- uh, initially we were going to do uh, Fist of the North Star, but I think that Game of Death is
0: the is the next movie. Um, yeah. So for for uh, for people who don't know, it's a Bruce Lee movie. It's considered a Bruce exploitation film in a way. It's not that it's it still stars Bruce Lee, but he there's only like twenty or fifteen minutes of actual footage of him because he died during the making, and so they get another actor kind of plan nine from outer space style to wear sunglasses and the the, the infamous yellow track suit. Um, but it's still an interesting film. And I wanted to see that one first because I thought it might be the more it's kind of corny in a way because of all of those elements. And I thought that might be interesting. And then maybe down the road we'll see a more proper Bruce Lee movie. Uh, but this might be a good palate cleanser for post, um, you know, post Road Warrior uh, and then into Fist of the North Star. Um, so right I guess we'll end it there and until next time we will talk to you later